I'm Alexandra Kreis and you're listening to Outer Travel in a Journey. to Outer Travel and Inner Journey. Today I'm back with Natasha Nandini. Hey, Natasha. Hi, Alex. Well, I know Natasha through her, actually through her profession as an Indian classical music teacher. I studied with Natasha a little bit of raga singing and we know each other through um, the yoga scene we both spend time in. And Natasha is currently living and teaching in London, but also online. And she does both teach yoga and teach singing. So <laughs> that's for a little quick introduction so people know who is here with me. Natasha, let's talk about what I said, how I know you and obviously value as, you know, like the classical singing I've been interested in singing my life long but I never kind of came to making it a career and it's so frustrating when you start and stop something but when I kind of got to know your classes and this style of different singing the Indian classical singing is very very different to any kind of singing I experienced you know stuff really happened for me and even though I'm not practicing solidly I can hear the music and it's kind of re-vibrating in me so do you want to explain a little bit about what that really is we're talking about here well I mean I I remember when I actually first came across uh, the Indian classical singing and it the style that I practice most is Drupad so yes. it's the most ancient form as you know but uh, when I, I was at SOAS the School of Oriental and African Studies and they had this week-long uh, workshop when Indian teachers had come over and I used to smoke about 20 Marlboro Reds then <laughs> and I remember standing outside and I was like quickly just dragging the last inhale before going in and um, you know, so I, I remember going in and then we sang like two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon. And that same first day, I went home, maybe a cut, an hour or so later, I had a cigarette and it just tasted really disgusting. Like, and I was like, this is weird. So I threw it away. Every day that happened, for two weeks, I lit a cigarette it tasted disgusting and I had to throw it away. So by the end of two weeks of doing that, I said, well, this is just ridiculous. So I stopped smoking. And I know that it has something to do with the way that the wind and the sound was passing through my, my body. Uh -huh. um, I mean, I'm sure it's got a lot to do with the astrological situation that was going on for me then, because it was the same year that I came across yoga yeah um so there was definitely some kind of shift happening and i started both those practices at the same time but so what i know now is that sound is vibration but sound penetrates the tissues like if you 
you know, you remember the cymatics where mm. you see um, how water or sand can move into geometrical patterns just from a vibration of sound. Yeah. Yes. So, and in the same way, if you're creating a sound within the body, that it's going to push things through. That's the power of it. And then if you look at words, you know, if you already deal with truth as truth as, is part of you value truth, then what you say starts to be very powerful. Yeah. Um, and then, so then you have the intention behind uh, the sound or the words that you say, and one starts to put more awareness onto all those things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I I definitely relate to that because, you know, I never, maybe the first time I encountered that kind of singing was um, when I learned the Yoga Sutras with an Indian lady, you know, and she would sing it to the bass sound of the Tha and the Pa and the Shruti box, you know, which I then learned later with you. And we sat and sang the first chapter of the Patanjali's Yoga Sutra over a weekend, you know, and she was, you know, she was like, no, you have to sing it like that. And you have to say it like that. And it was, when I came out of it, I felt like I had done the strongest yoga practice that I ever done. And I mean, I started yoga with 20, that was in my thirties. I was fighting fit, you know, I could have done like a four hour session and would have kind of come out really rosy, you know, but, but that was so, you know, empowering to me. Well, also like, uh, there was when I was doing when I was doing two yoga practices a day, and I used to do my my singing practice before my afternoon um, practice. And one day I remember it was like pouring with rain outside, and so I just I sang for like about four hours, and then I did my yoga practice. And because I had done such an extreme, uh, different amount of singing. I could tell the effect on my body because when I, when I started doing the yoga, it was like I could do, I could do things that I normally had found difficult. You mm. know, the body was just so open. It had been sort of prepped, let's say. But also just coming back to the fact that you sung the sutras, um, you're using your mind. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's like, well, another interpretation of the word mantra is, man being mind mm. and tra coming from the word protection so it's protection from the mind we are protect oh. being protected from our mind which mm. is the big you know number one big problem that that we all face yes. um so i quite like that i quite like that um explanation of the term mantra and it also has to do with repetition obviously yeah, and um, obviously there is a, a place for the mind and that's why the mind is used, you know, with mantra as well. That's what I felt. Like when you said, like, it's not only the protection from the mind, but to direct the mind. And that's very much what they say in the yoga practice, that you're trying to channel the mind to a one fo point focus. And um, you certainly, or I certainly experienced that in the raga singing but we still haven't really touched upon can you give it a better description for somebody who never heard anything like it would you be able to describe it a little bit describe raga yeah what does it sound like what makes it different to any 
other form of singing, maybe. Okay, so um, a raga is the term given to a melodic structure, let's say. But in the West, when you look at a melodic structure, say you have a, a number of notes which make up a pattern, and you know some patterns will be happy, some will be sad, but in a raga, it's even more, um, uh, it's a, it has a deeper meaning because every rag can be seen as an entity with characteristics, just like your girlfriend A does things differently to girlfriend B. Mm. And you go, oh, that's, you know, if someone tells you a story about girlfriend B, you go, that is so what she would do. Yeah. And it's the same with the raga, like, you know, some are fast, some are slow, some are like majestic, and then they have to be done in this really, really kind of like um, royal movement, you know, so then rhythms have to, uh, have to harmonize in the sense of be the same sort of flavor as the mood of the raga. Yes. You also have evening rugs which have that, especially those rugs that are kind of uh, sun, let's say just at the sandhya, which is the, the, the time between afternoon, just going into evening, that neither nor state. Yeah. Um, that essence is kind of meant to be uh, brought out just by the raga or even the sun, rising and as it touches the horizon the notes will reflect that event yeah and that that is a very beautiful description and then you know this story comes up in my mind where i was listening intently to the raga and i was sharing an apartment with another yoga friend and he was like what cat or which cat is squeaking here <laughs> to, to the unfamiliar voice when you come into the vivid part after the alap, which is kind of slow and, you know, tunes you in. But if you're kind of happen to listening to a raga, it sounds very, very kind of off-putting to like a Western ear initially, unless you're familiar with the power and you can sit in it, you know, and understand what you're listening to right there and then. That's true. And it also depends on the style that one has chosen, you know, because Drupad is uh, like, you're probably talking about Khayal um, yes. when they're going into the very fast part of the, um, uh, the recitation, let's say. Yeah. Um, and it can go a little bit crazy, but by that point, then they may have gone into slight trance because they've started, introduced the rug and slowly built it up, built it up until they get to that point. Yeah. But, um, you know, not all of them have, have to be like that. And for me personally, and Drupad, which stands on the shoulders of even earlier music where it was closer to Vedic uh, law, let's say, music first was for, and still in Drupad, those who are very authentic, Drupad was first sung for the deity. So in the old days, the, um, the person singing 
would actually face away from the audience because it was first and foremost for God. Mm. And the audience would just be collecting the, uh, the remnants of that. Mm. And they were, so then it would be for the actual singer. And then it would be the audience gets the leftovers, let's say. Um, but yes, it's an offering. And yeah. so really the, the, it's not so much about how good a singer you are, because it's not about performance, but it's about how much can we let go of that individual identification of this and actually be able to merge using the sound, merge with the sound, which is bigger than us. Mm. That's yes. the, that, and that's also, you know, in, as you know, it's the, it's the same as the yoga. It's just a different, it's just a different uh, bunch of tools to get you there. It is. So, and it's super powerful. As I said, you know, you just need to spend a bit of time with it and it can change your whole perspective, your whole body sensation, um, the way you relate to other people. Do you keep practicing both and why are you practicing both the physical and the singing? Yeah, that's a really good question for me at this time, because as I was just telling you before that I, you know, our lives are cyclic. And for me personally, I've just gone through a, end of a cycle and during that end cycle i couldn't sing mm. i just couldn't i couldn't sing and even listening to music it was like i i could and for me that would win would have been the first time in i can't remember mm. when i didn't do a practice and it went on for a good amount of time uh and it's only now coming out the other side that i realized that when you're going through a death, you mm. don't have the luxury of that extra uh, level of attention that you can spend on, um, on enjoying the celestial sounds because you're in the pit of the underworld. Do you see what I mean? And so it's only now that I've come out of that that I can see just spontaneously and by itself, I'm now back into wanting to listen and enjoying and mm. wanting to sing. And it's like I, you know, I guess it was like an honoring of, of the death process, which I think is not a bad thing. So, but I do practice because it makes me, uh, it gives me a protection from the outside world so not that i want to be removed from it but i don't want to jump onto everything that's thrown in my face so i can stay in my center and see all those things that are going on but not actually get pulled by them mm. which is very much what pranayama does and mm. it's 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 like pranayama in a way you can use it as a pranayama yeah but the question was, you know, like, why would you, are you doing still a yoga practice a daily, you know, if you could, would you? Yeah, yoga, both? I am doing it. I haven't stopped the yoga practice, but mm -hmm. I, I, uh, I, while I was going through that phase, I stopped the uh, singing practice and mm -hmm. now it's coming back. But that's the reason why I do both. Mm -hmm. Well, A, for the enjoyment of it and 
um, for me, Nad is like, uh, if you look at the tantric view of what Nad is, um, it's, it's another expression of the absolute. Hmm. So it's, an, it's a form of merging with that. Hmm. That's why I practice it. It as in? The singing. The, the singing, the singing. Okay. Good. Yeah, because and the yoga, pranayama. Yes. Yeah. 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 But those are my choices. I mean, it's not that that's the only way, and there is never only one way, as you know. Yeah, and that's so fascinating because what I was thinking is that for a long time in my own development, I was like, okay, I'm going to do the yoga, and the yoga is the only way, and. That wasn't just instilled through my, the, the late teacher, but it was something that kind of was deeply ingrained in me. And when I came across the singing and I noticed it can have the same power as a yoga practice, I got a little bit torn because at the end of the day, I feel very connected to this world and I don't want to spend my life, you know, or my, even my day in so much time of doing my yoga practice, doing my singing practice, doing my la 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 la. And it was just too much for me at the time. And hence, you know, I think I made a choice at the time to, to choose the physical practice, the body physical practice from the outside, then the inner practice of mending tissues through vibration. But you're also, uh, you're a householder. So, you know, that makes complete sense. But I'm not a householder, so I have... I have uh, different avenues that are open to me and more time to mm. spend in that direction. And that's mm. also my choice. But you've made the right choice. It doesn't mean that you can't sing for fun. No. And I'm, you know, like when I, when it came down to that choice, I noticed that, as I said before, even though I'm not practicing all the time, I do, I have started to understand the music because I did, I think a year and a half really intensely. I mean, at the time you weren't teaching me because I lived somewhere else. And I went like at least uh, three, four times a day a week to get singing lessons. And that was for a very long time. And that kind of left, mm -hmm. yeah. And that left something with me that nobody can take away obviously now. Um, yeah. And it's always fun. It will always be there. It will always be there to reconnect with when you want to. Yeah. What advice would you give somebody? Because I have a few friends uh, that are musically interested or even musicians. And when they come across raga as such, you know, or Indian classical singing, they, they feel really touched by it. And then they notice that it's not just learned, you know, on, on the side. It's not a side dish you can order and say like, oh, I'm going to do this. And then I understand it. Um, and most of them have therefore decided not to do to do it and this is my very question to you what would you say to someone who has an interest and feels like they can't put the time in like i decided not to put the time in, even though they are like in maybe a position that you are they can freely decide where they put their growth i personally think now um if someone already has a profession or someone has something that they've already got as a, as a personal practice where they're spending a lot of time is we don't do enough stuff for fun. Ah. You know, 
Yeah. And also, like, look at children. Children learn so quickly because they learn it's fun for them. It's not like, oh my God, I, why can't I get this? Why is it not going in? Like, it doesn't matter. Just like, enjoy it. Let it just penetrate you rather than you trying to trespass on its space before your time. Yes. You know, and, and that's really, a, it's a getting, it's a process of getting to know ourselves and um, doing the things that make us feel good. I love it. I have such a good sequence of, you know, uh, shows right now. The one person telling me she's calling herself the pleasure priestess, you know, she's talking exactly about that, what we really, really want. If we listen to that, you know, it'll come out of us and in that way, accepting our path, you know, and somebody else is talking about like, how can you break through this subconscious pattern where you're constantly making things up from the outside and you you're trying everything from the outside, but you haven't dealt with the inner healing. And so all the, you know, like all the arrows are pointing towards this letting go of, um, I wouldn't say discipline, but I'm trying to, I feel this is a time in the world and in my life where things are breaking open and asking me and maybe also, you know, everybody around me to break open and out of what in yoga they call lineage or like, you know, out of all these regimented, rigid forms that have evolved, even though the origins weren't thinking that way. Like in Ayurveda, you have that a lot, for example. Wait, for Ayurveda, what? Sorry? In Ayurveda, you have that a lot, you know, that there's ah. a lot put onto the name of Ayurveda, which wasn't the origin of the thought and what Ayurveda is trying to teach us. So, you know, and as it becomes a form of wellness and understanding for the average Joe, it has been so, you know, how would you say, cut into simple drawer principles that it's not able to speak anymore. That's what it feels to me in Ayurveda. So... I am, as I said, you know, all the, all the signs are pointing, not only, it seems to me, but also to so many places where ancient wisdom has been categorized into drawers. So it kind of gets an understanding in the public mind. And then it's kind of been stylized into something where it doesn't, where it cannot unfold the power. So what I, my question to you is like, do you perceive that as the same? Like that we, we don't see these practices anymore out of the lens of enjoyment, but how can they help me? And if they can't help, you know, if I don't spend enough time, they won't help me. Well, I think the biggest problem is, uh, is the fact that it's, it's a business now. Every, like teacher training courses, um, being certified to be able to, make a living out of it yeah. that's the first problem especially in our society where it's very difficult to um you know make a living um when something takes such a long time to learn and you need to give so much of your time to it but still you have to make a living while you're learning yeah. and then you have to make a living from what you've learned yeah and so that puts a lot of pressure on many of us yeah. um and because of that and because there's a lot of money in that 
some people have perhaps um, used that as a money maker. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit like, you know, that Uncle Sam, uh, we want you, you know, and that's what I feel. Do you want to be a yoga teacher? You should be a yoga teacher. It's like, well, <laughs> um, I think that has perhaps created um, the way that we see the science, mm. which all these that we're talking about, Ayurveda, yoga, and also um, the Indian classical music, they're all sciences. Yeah. And they were learned over such a long period of time. And the point of living with the guru was because it wasn't in a class format mm. that you learnt how to do this, this and this. Yes, you had, you, you know, you'd have people coming to the house to be cured and the student would learn through every single um, patient or person that came to be uh, helped. They learnt through those case studies. Mm years and years and years when to practice when to give this when not to do this but you know here you go to a class and the class is uh, orchestrated in a certain fashion because of things that come up in that class and that's all written down and taken as gospel mm. but it only really makes sense for that particular situation. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you know that that's how it is. And those are the situations. Yeah, we're, the we're a little bit, uh, I know this is sounds like a dead end road now, this conversation, you know, because you feel like you're, you're stuck between a, um, you know, um, how do you say that? Stuck between a stone and a hard place or something like that. Um, but but you're not i think it's the credibility that we're trying to regain like you you wouldn't ask any you know it's almost like you wouldn't ask any doctor not to get the money's worth you know and so that people who are really truly studying science should see themselves as you know as creditable and valuable to this to this path and kind of be aware of where they have to be with that in 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 a way i know money is like a hard uh, thing to talk about in this context because at the time when science was given or when healings were given they were given for free or against donation but as we're talking about the western world i feel like so many teachers and so many people who do what they do they try to get by with donation and then very few people have ethics around donations and you know like worthy donations and then you you'll have to go back and maybe tell your own teacher friend you know like why are you charging so little you know why do you allow somebody in the name of uh, yoga school or whatever give you allow them to give you very little money for your craft you know so that you can just have fun teaching because you learned it on the side and you have another job it's it's somehow um yeah it's a different i know what you're saying i think uh the point that i was making was that the time when these sciences were studied um 
also the way of living was different. You would have a village, you would have maybe one practitioner and all the villagers would go to that one practitioner. Yeah. It's a completely different setup now yeah. to then because we're in a completely different world. Yeah. So it's, I'm not somebody who'd be able to, um, you know, delineate all the differences, but it's pretty obvious that... Um, we need to come up with a new system around it, yeah. The practices that were held then, like we know that we're in the age of the death of the guru, it's quite obvious. Mm. Um, that's the situation. And, you know, if we look at it also from a Kali Yuga point of view, it's kind of going in that way. Everything is going in that way. If we look mm. at the world, it seems to be going in that way. And that's okay. It's just that's just the down cycle of on a global level yeah my who knows how many thousands of years that down cycle will take <laughs> we probably we probably not, won't be here to witness it uh, in this form <laughs> natasha you yeah, and I. yeah um is there something you want to like give as an advice to the listener you know like when they want to get in touch and get to know that method of raga singing where can maybe they find somebody good where can they find you how should they start is there something you you want to i would say um even like the same with yoga or any anything that someone wants to learn first of all there has to be a spark I think it's always good to follow whatever is sparkling. Hmm. So if you don't, if someone doesn't have an agenda and doesn't go, well, you know, I want to learn that, I want to learn that, I want to learn that. And they just, they're in this world or this space. Those, the things that are right for them and that they're going to get the most out of will shine a bit brighter but that will only be noticeable when we don't want things. So once that happens and there's that spark that one has noticed, oh, like, you know, oh, I'm quite interested in that. And then they follow it a little bit deeper and follow it a little bit deeper. Then with all things, one has to gel with the teacher. It oh. has to be, something someone who they resonate with not because it's a big name not because of any other reason other than there is an mm. understanding through resonance yes and i think that's that's with everything yeah yeah but if they were interested in uh maybe they try something and then another teacher comes up and that's fine too because mm. everyone is on a path that's personal and we as people who help others we can only help up to a point on their journey before they move on to the next rung on the ladder let's say yeah. i think it's important that we know that and that we're there for them on that level not that we want to gain anything from them but it's what can we give them so on that note i'm i'm having a couple of online classes for the yoga but they're quite strong classes um the singing i'm going to be giving one thing just like a very like 
nothing serious, let's say, but just, just a way to connect to the sound or even find the sound, you know, mm -hmm. and then find it within oneself. Cause then it's, it's the blossoming of that. That's, that's what one wants to learn how to do. Okay. And the most important thing is, is to just do uh, as much as one can without feeling obligated to do more. Because mm. mm. less is more. Yeah. And maybe you just need this thing for a certain time in your life to, to kind of bring and raise some awareness around sound or whatever it is. So, yes. If you'd like to um, get to know more details about Natasha's classes, her website is attached uh, below the show notes and you'll find the courses and the online singing possibilities with her on her website. Is that right, Natasha? Yeah, it'll all be there under the calendar or events page or something. Under the calendar or events page, great. So thank you for giving a little bit of insight into Raga and into your knowledge that you gained in all your travels and all your journeys and cycles. Thank you, Alex. It's nice to chat to you. Yeah, nice having you. And thank you, listener, for tuning in to this conversation between me and Natasha. And I hope I hear back from you soon or I see you soon in my next show. Bye now. Bye.